Welcome to the Total Brain podcast series, hosted by Dr. Evian Gordon, founder and chief medical officer of Total Brain. Today's podcast is on the role of humor in anxiety. And I am delighted to introduce you to our key opinion leader, um, Karen Buxman. Karen is a TEDx speaker, one of 49 women in the world to be inducted into the National Speakers Association Speaker Hall of Fame. She's a successful author and a neurohumorist. Yep, she lives at the intersection of humor and the brain. Phew, thank goodness for her. As the global expert in strategic humor for business and for consumers, Karen helps high performers go from great to world class. Her upcoming book is Funny Means Money, and it's being published by Forbes Books in the fall of 2020. Karen, it's wonderful to have you on the podcast. And just before we start riffing, would you mind please starting with your three takeaways? And we will end on them as well to reinforce them in our non-conscious and conscious brains. <laughs> Absolutely. And Evian, just let me say, it's such an honor to be here with you. I'm a little starstruck. I will admit it. <laughs> so I will gladly share what we want your listeners, our listeners to take away today. And that is first, seek humor to distract from brain threats to provide relief from anxiety. That's our first goal. Our second goal, our second takeaway is to provide emotional distance from anxiety by reframing brain threats with humor. And third, Refuel your brain and build resistance and resilience by intentionally and consistently practicing humor over time. Oh, that's such great, three great takeaways. Distract, brain hack one. Reframe, brain hack two. And refuel, brain hack three, with humor. You know, just before you start um, expanding on them, Karen, it is a strange kind of disconnect in a way at such a time of gravitas where our brains are being hijacked, that we ironically see that with, with kind of, with respectful insight into how the brain works, that all of these strategies we're covering in the brain help switch. But the simplest in some ways is just some sort of context about humor. But how, how do you find that balance between the gravitas of the moment and, and being able to still distract and replenish with humor, and more critically, just take us through the, the brain hacks one by one. It does seem a bit odd, doesn't it, to be taking humor seriously? I mean, it just seems like that that's a, a bit of a paradox. It's and a bit of an oxymoron on the surface, it really that's right. Is, but it's it? not. Yeah. And I've been studying humor for 30 years now, and I just really over this uh, last decade, um, looking more deeply into humor in the brain. And it's so fascinating to me. And we have come to a point in time where it really is important and beneficial and, and people finally starting to recognize that humor can serve more than one purpose. Um, as I was working on my book that's, that's coming out that you mentioned earlier, Funny Means Money, 
it occurred to me that humor actually has three purposes. The first purpose of entertainment is one that everybody thinks about. And it's just, you know, laughing for the sake of laughing. But two other purposes are hugely important. And one is influence. How do we persuade others? How do we inform? How do we educate? How do we inspire other people through the use of humor? And then the other purpose being well-being. How do we help cope? How do we deal with stress? How do we deal with anxiety? How do we build our resilience? How do we improve our overall health through the use of humor? And in, we won't have as much time for you and I to go into this in a deep dive. I, I did talk about this in a little more detail in a TEDx that I had the honor of doing. Uh, you, people can find it on YouTube, um, How Humor Can Save the World. And humor is a whole brain activity. It is a beautiful thing in that when our brains engage in humor, it is the cognitive area. It is the emotional area. It is the physical expression. Um, we have wit, mirth, and laughter. And when these three come together, I think it's, it's just such a peak experience. And during the moment of the experience of humor and laughter, there is this wonderful cascade of neurotransmitters that occurs. And that's really going to be um, the underpinning of what you and I are talking about today, because it is this, the benefits from these neurotransmitters and the the cascading effects throughout our body holistically that occur during humor and laughter that allow us to deal with the negative brain state, the, the brain threats that we are experiencing. And, you know, whether the threats come from a personal experience, it might be a family experience, uh, the brain threat might be a community experience. It could be a national experience or, as in the COVID crisis, a global experience. But the good news for our listeners today is the process that we're about to go through will benefit them and work for them regardless of the source of the threat. And I think that's yeah. very, very exciting. That is exciting. Look, I'm, I'm glad we started off with some a brain context and especially just an awareness that everything in the brain has consequences in terms and effects and impacts on our chemistry. We all know that it's dopamine, the reward, and it will make us feel happier along with a, other, a cascade of chemicals and oxytocin for bonding. So that's a great segue, I, I think, Karen, to go through the specific distract, reframe, and refuel ways in which you feel humor can best be deployed. Excellent. Excellent. So in terms of distraction, you know, some people might say, well, is it really a good idea to bury your head in the sand? Is it really a good idea to avoid the circumstances? But there are times where we don't have autonomy. There are times where even though our brain craves that autonomy and, and craves that, that certainty that it's, it's being taken out of our hands. And if you cannot do anything about the situation, then to provide a distraction and a little mini brain break from that 
consequence, which, which causes the amygdala hijack. We know that when we are put in a state of crisis, a state of fear, a state of anxiety, that we do get hijacked. We do have the, the brain is firing off you know, epinephrine and norepinephrine, and it's increasing our cortisol and it's decreasing our ability to tap into that cognitive function of our brain to the best of our ability. And it decreases our ability to be creative. And these are things that would certainly serve us well during a time of crisis. And so, yes, indeed, I think that to use humor to distract, to give yourself a brain break, and it doesn't have to be for a long period of time. It can be intermittent brain breaks. And it's for you to intentionally experience something that you find amusing. It might result in a smile. It might result in a laugh. But even if it's just that internal feeling of amusement, at that particular moment in time, you're giving your brain a break. You are, you are snapping your brain out of that amygdala hijack. And you are now regaining control of the cognitive processes that will better serve you. And that may only last for an hour or maybe less given the circumstances that you're in. And so you need to, to tap into these distractions as frequently as best serves you at that given particular point in time. I oh, couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. What, what's your best two examples of, of a distraction humor example that's worked for you in the moment? You know, I, um, I manipulate my environment to increase the likelihood of me being able to find it fast. It's, it's stacking the deck in your favor. And so for me, if I have access to a computer or my phone, a quick go-to, I go to YouTube, type in laughing babies. Oh my gosh. How can you not release that amygdala hijack? If nothing else, we're tapping into the mirror neurons. We see babies laughing. We start laughing. And it gives us that great relief. I have many audiobooks on my iPhone. And most of us are always within reach of our iPhone. For me, David Sedaris is a quick fix. I find him funny. But I have bookmarked things that amuse me. I have bookmarked memes that amuse me. I have social media sites that I can go to immediately to find a resource that will make me laugh. So you have your reservoir of distract hacks. I love that. I do. <laughs> That's really good. It's funny because it's fascinating to see how different people, I love your one of, of, of laughing babies and, and, and that laughing at anything laughing at is so contagious. I mean, that is yes. the other thing about laughter. It's the mirror neurons in the brain just cannot help themselves, which is great. Right. And, and why not tap into those intentionally? Totally. What I love about the distract um, brain hack, though, Karen, is that everything we're seeing in the brain, of course, being like to take an analogy, the closer you get to the way that the mechanism in the brain works, the more likely you can impact and rewire it. And the point is about timing. So the quicker the brain hack can be affected, the better. And laughter and a good, clear break with reality is one of those speedy ones that happen literally in the moment. So I love the whole idea of the distract tech. What about reframe? You know, reframing is our ability to see something from a different perspective. And in terms of anxiety, we want to be able to view something as less painful. And the good news is that humor is a quick way to do that. And reframing, seeing things from a different perspective 
generally that is a cognitive function that requires a lot of cognitive energy exertion on our brain's part. However, humor is, is just the function of taking two dissimilar ideas and putting them together to provide that emotional distance. And so humor allows you to twist and turn and play with your pain to see it from that distance that allows you to be able to ideally laugh at a situation, if nothing else, to just take a breath and go, oh, okay, I'm going to get through this. Because you know, when we see it in a different perspective, we realize, oh my gosh, we're not all going to die because we can't get enough toilet paper, right? <laughs> yeah, I do. I do love how powerful this is because it, it fits very nicely with Heidi Hanna's focus on curiosity, asking yourself, "What am I learning from this?" And now you're providing a specific strategy to also turn that into not only what am I learning from this, but how can I make this funny? And I was on a call once, and I know you and Heidi are very close and work very closely together. And I was on a call once with you and you were stuck in traffic. And so Heidi was giving me an example of a reframe humor. And it's like, what is funny about being stuck in traffic? And she looked out the window and started to describe how, you know, what was like a cosmic joke, you know, the whole planet is a cosmic joke when it's, backlog. It is funny if you just take it to the right focal length. It is funny. I mean, we found ourselves yesterday wiping down our container of Lysol wipes with a Lysol wipe. And you start thinking, you know, at what point does this become totally absurd? I mean, you know, have we come to the point where we're even wiping down our, our antiseptics? I mean, you have to, you have to be back at this. Oh yeah. It is funny. It is. It's it is crazy. It is fascinating. But what I love about that also is the type of humor. So you mentioned the, the infectiousness of laughter, and there's, of course, the actually laughter therapy that's out there. But also what I like at the other end of the spectrum, which is my favorite humor, which is self-deprecation. I actually really do find that funny because it really puts a pin in whatever balloon it is that I've become you know, self-absorbed by. And so I find self-deprecation incredibly funny because it just cuts through to the absurdity of magnifying what doesn't work and getting super distressed about that versus the key point, I think, of brain insight is to magnify what does work and to get as close as possible to the mechanism that I mentioned. So I really do like that idea of reframing the context of adding it to curiosity and perverting it into a way that makes it incredibly self, it's almost like being self-entertained. It is self-entertaining. And, you know, it, what you also described, and that's for a, another conversation at some point in the future, is your ability to influence others when you are practicing that self-deprecation. Because what you're doing is showing some vulnerability, some authenticity, and people will trust you more. You'll be able to influence them more. And in times of anxiety, crisis, stress, you know, we want to be able to provide that influence and leadership to others. And by using humor in that fashion, um, you can actually facilitate that. So I love that. I love that. I love that hack a lot. And I love the depth with which it can be expanded because reframe obviously also is the essence of cognitive behavior therapy, of, which to me is forget the technical term. It's about literally reframing, reappraisal, putting it into a different context. So to do it with humor as well as one of the dimensions is fabulous. But the other thing that strikes me 
Karen's idea of creativity, that you were saying humor is about putting two dissimilar ideas together. So even as an exercise in training ourselves to be more expansive and connect kind of very disparate ideas is a fascinating context for this reframe. Is that how you see how humor works in the brain? So often, one of the mechanisms for humor is that that combination of two dissimilar ideas. And once you connect them in a new way that your brain has never thought of before, it gives this dopamine hit, this, this wonderful reward to the brain, this pleasure, which in forms of humor is, you know, is the laugh, it's the mirth. In terms of, of you know, creativity, it's that aha moment. But, but we can train our brains to do that on a more regular basis. And the more we practice it, the easier it becomes. And so for people who want to practice this reframing in terms of their anxiety and their, their painful circumstances, to take that circumstance and play with it and put it in a dissimilar context and exaggerate it. You know, what's the worst could happen? How could it be worse? How could it be worse? How could it be worse? Until you can eventually look at your original um, situation and, and look at it then in the extreme absurdity of an additional context and see those two dissimilar situations and see the humor in that. And that's the emotional distance that gives us that sense of relief. And actually, it gives us not just relief, it gives us hope, it gives us it empowers us. I think that's the thing that I get most excited about is that humor empowers us because when we can train our brains, when we can train ourselves to see a situation as less threatening, we've empowered ourselves and we have victory over that particular threat in our lives. Such a great point. It's interesting as people are interviewed about what they find most appealing in people, how high humor ranks. And I think it's a reflection not just of the ability to engage, but that it is an indication of a kind of open, flexible, creative, innovative mindset. And, um, but it's, it certainly has, it's one of the most appealing features that people are attracted to others is their quality of their humor. Yes. It's one of the top three traits people look for, whether it's in a leader or in a lover. <laughs> we want... Yeah, studies show it can actually make you appear better looking to a potential partner. <laughs> so, that's right. Well, hey. If you if you can't inform me, right. at least at, at least at least entertain me. That's right. right. So that's really good. I like it. So how about hack? Now we got hack hack of distract, hack of reframe. How about the hack of refuel? Yes, because in periods of prolonged anxiety. In periods of, of um, stress over time or a crisis over time, people are constantly pulling from their reserves to the point where they're pulling from reserves that are not there any longer. I liken it to, you know, going out and using your charge card again and again long after you have exceeded your limit. You know, and, and in those cases, when, you're, when you've used your charge card over your limit, the bank is initially they're going to punish you with penalties and then eventually they're going to take away your privilege altogether. And, and our bodies are the same. We're trying to pull emotionally, psychologically, physically, um, socially, all of these different uh, parts of our lives without refueling. And 
one of the wonderful things about humor is that it refuels us in a holistic way in every body system that is depleted by stress and anxiety. We see that humor can build that back up. We know that it can lessen the anxiety and actually make us more resistant to stress and anxiety over time. It can decrease our depression and make us hardier over time and, and to decrease our, even our sensation of pain. And so by consistently, intentionally practicing things that amuse you, humorous experiences over time, you are building up those reserves instead of just constantly replenished in, in, re pulling from them. You're replenishing them so that you have something to pull from. And then once the anxiety crisis stress event is over, you have built these reserves to even put you in a, an even more positive state of health and well-being. Oh, that's such an important point. So in a way, the way that I contextualize it, Karen, is that in the reframe and the distract, they kind of in the moment. And the beauty of the refuel is that the recharging, the recuperation is critical to have that time of switch off and boost up. And so the idea of really using a more kind of just a, a, a kind of calm or dispassionate view of humor as an integral part of recovery is wonderful because we've so we cover the full time spectrum then from how do we switch as quickly as possible in the moment, the strategies for that, that are personal, that work, your reservoir of, of clips and, 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 and memes, and then the, the reframe, which has huge implications as we've discussed, and the refuel slower. And I like the refuel in particular also, Karen, because if you look at resilience, the essence of it in this bounce back ability that we're all going to have to deal with in these series of sprints that are becoming a marathon with the COVID era, but in general, it's a great metaphor for all big challenges, is the ability to overcome the adversity, but then have the time to recover and find the strategies to fully recover, of which humor hopefully will be added to our, our strategic um, possibilities to recover fully so that that neural network is, is strengthened and our ability to become more resilient and adaptive and open be, is expanded. So I really think the three that you've chosen are just a wonderful convergence of the way to reshape your, your brain in, across the time spectrum. So really good examples. You know, and, and you mentioned our mutual dear friend, Heidi Hanna. One of the practices that we have is being an accountability partner. You know, how is it that you practice this consistency over time? And one of the ways that you can do that is with an accountability partner to send someone something humorous and, and ask for them to send you something regularly over time. And what I found initially when I committed to Heidi to sending her something humorous on a daily basis, because she's very open about the, the fact that she deals with stress and anxiety and depression, was that I thought initially that I would be doing something for her. But what I came to realize very quickly was that with one of my initial daily activities, starting my day by looking for something humorous to share with her, I was changing the outlook of my day from the get-go by just looking for something humorous to share with somebody else. Not only was I finding something humorous that was giving me all of these wonderful 
neurotransmitters that we that we want to to experience but that extra dopamine hit and oxytocin hit because i was sharing it with someone else oh it's such a great example of sharing the connection the social connection of sharing something humorous every day wow that's a that's a great a great thought and action to do i like that a lot well i, I can't believe how quickly the time has gone um, <laughs> you know we fast. started off we we start we started off by saying that humor at a time of such gravitas seems like an oxymoron it seems like a cognitive dissonance but you know you've really helped me and I'm sure people who listen to this podcast fill in the gaps that this is far from incongruent and not only that but they it's a very powerful and useful way to strategically build up a in not not too much in a contrived way, but more in a celebratory way of ourselves and expanding ourselves and growing from from humor. So what I'd, I'd I'd love you to do firstly, I really just want to thank you, Karen. You know, I've I've watched you speak at so many events, and it, people are are just so engaged by your ability to to be self deprecating, but also to be really intensely and appropriately communicate the power of, of humor in the brain. So I would like you to finish off by just repeating the takeaways. But before we do so, I just want to also draw people's attention to um, the humorhacks.com where there's an infographic that you can visually also just sort of just consolidate these learnings into your brain and they're fun. But just also connect to, to Karen in her various formats and forums. I think you'll, you'll, you'll find it as fascinating as I have. So thank you so much for being on this podcast and I'd really appreciate it if you could end off on the three takeaways. I thank you for that because we do want to encourage people to continually be students of humor. And I am very much wanting to help people on this journey for this not to just be a quick fix for them to listen to this one time, but to really intentionally and consistently use humor over time for their benefit. And so the things that we covered today was the importance of seeking humor to distract from brain threats to provide relief from anxiety. To provide emotional distance from anxiety by reframing brain threats with humor. And lastly, the importance of refueling your brain and building your resilience by intentionally and consistently practicing humor over time. Karen Buxman, neurohumorist. You're a force of nature. Thank you so much for being on this podcast. Oh, Evian, it's been my honor. I look forward to uh, chatting with you again very soon. I look forward to it. Thanks, Karen. Mm-hmm. Bye-bye. Together, we can all build a brain-empowered world.